0: Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Hakun Wong and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Football Garbage Time and with me as always for our weekly scares and dares episode of the podcast is my co-host, Senior Staff Writer, Joanne
1: Kong. Hey, everyone.
0: As usual, we'll be discussing our scare of the week by reviewing a horror movie, typically of the lesser-known vintage, and then discuss the profits that we dare to make for the upcoming week, in which case, this week being Super Bowl 56. So with that said, let's get this rolling. All right, so let's go ahead and get rolling with our scare of the week which is this week, the 2016 IFC Midnight Movie Carnage Park, written and directed by Mickey Keating and starring Ashley Bell, Darby Stanchfield, Pat Healy, and Alan Ruck. It runs a brisk one hour and 20 minutes and is available for streaming on Hulu. So this movie purports to be based on a true story, but spoiler alert, it, it isn't actually, and generally revolves around two bank robbers in 1978, Scorpio, Scorpion Joe and Lenny, who managed to escape a mostly failed heist with a hostage, Vivian, and Lenny dies of a gunshot wound suffered during the gateway, uh, during getaway, and Joe forces Vivian to help him dispose of Lenny's body. But as this goes on, what we believe to be an abandoned remote portion of the desert, a, psych- a psychopathic sniper strikes and generally terrorizes our protagonist for the rest of the movie. There's also a cop, a sheriff involved, which may have more of a connection to the psychopath than we initially led to believe, and then the movie moves backwards and forwards in time, to generally explain how all the characters manage to interact around this attempted heist and slowly reveal just how depraved this mystery killer is. Uh, now uh, I'm going to avoid any spoilers from that point forward. But uh, Joanne, what are your thoughts about this movie?
1: Um, I liked it. It I liked this. It gave it a very grainy, like 1970s old-time feel. Um, definitely a survival horror movie. So, you know. We're just looking to survive it. Uh, but, like, I thought it was, like, really fun, surprising. I knew nothing about this movie when I, um when we first watched it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, most of the time. But I thought, like, the actors did a great job. Like, the setting was great. Yeah. Um, you you kind of slowly figure out, like, what's going on and who are, kind of, what makes you wonder, like, who are actually the bad guys. And I think one of the great things is is that the sheriff is um, Alan Ruck. Right. Uh, and if you guys don't know who that is, like uh, he is Cameron in Ferris, Ferris Taylor's uh, Day Off. Yeah,
0: Ferris Taylor's Day Off. Right? One of my favorites, by the way. Oh. Ferris! And of course, he is, uh, it, of course, they're all hanging out in Chicago, which is something that I think is also really cool. Right. Because I'm super biased.
1: I mean, he's done a ton of stuff, but like, just to see a familiar face was
0: Kind of exciting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But definitely in this, uh, the guy has actually branched out in a lot of things that you might not have recognized him in. So that's cool. That's really cool. Um, I I like to say that there is a lot of inspiration here in this film from other filmmakers. Keating actually notes that he was inspired by thriller films of Sam Pekinath and Peter Watkins. But there's pretty clearly some Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez influence here as well, particularly with usage of time uh, you know, usage of time going back and forth, cutting back and forth in the timeline, and of course the slow motion. I think you mentioned this when we were watching it as well. That boy, I feel that there's some Tarantino and Rodriguez influence here, right?
1: Yes, it, it definitely has that feel, and uh, it's almost like a. Like he watched a uh, Tarantino Rodriguez
0: film like and all said, of
1: us. <laughs> I think I could do that. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think you're right. And then, of course, there are some specific scenes that I'm thinking about, and there's no spoilers here, but the scene where uh, Joe and Lenny exit the car and walk to the bank before the heist, you know, pretty clearly, you know, in slow motion, that had a Reservoir Dogs influence, I felt. Although the closing, but closing the shot around Joe and Lenny, and moving with them instead of a far shot which is what what tarantino like to use but was kind of had a, a feel of rodriguez a la desperado so i definitely had those both of those and of course that scene of lenny shot in the car and them getting away that really reminded me of reservoir dogs and you know mr orange and mr white uh you know and harvey Keitel yelling back at uh, tim ross and tim ross saying oh the you know, i was shot i'm dying they killed me you know i'm bleeding all over the back seat i'm like wow this, is, this scene is almost lifted from Reservoir Dogs. So the movie he saw was Reservoir Dogs. Clearly. Clearly he saw Reservoir Dogs and was deeply influenced by that. Um, then the theme uh, in for more than they bargained for, that kind of theme you know, that they had in the movie, um, and, then, and then going to the desert and being like, oh, my gosh, there's more than they bargained for, that really did remind me of From Dust Till Dawn, a movie that both Tarantino and Rodriguez were involved in. So I, I really do think there was a lot of, lot there. And then the ending, and I'm not going to give away what happens at the very ending though, but I, I did see that the ending though, it did lean towards more traditional hunting horror, hunter horror, you know, like the, the, the protagonist running away from the antagonist, who is some evil being of some court, a la Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Hills Have Eyes, uh, even a little bit like the movie we previously reviewed, wrong term. You know, when you have that person kind of hunting you right, and you trying to get away. horror, so, yeah. horror yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So that's, I really felt like it did lean that way for the last maybe twenty, thirty minutes of the movie so for
1: most of the movie I think yeah. Because you have um you have a uh, the the female who was taken hostage yeah, Vivian. from the yep. the two bank robbers right. and she just wants to go home. She doesn't want to be any part of this. Right. And right. in the beginning you're kinda of like, God, she is so annoying, shut the hell up. But this is <laughs> this is a character that right. I think... Uh, it's very familiar. I yeah, it's a see very see this, familiar character. Yeah, yeah, it happens a lot in horror movies, right. I think. But, like, she kind of, you, you know, she, there's this transformation mm-hmm. huh? from becoming, being very annoying
0: to being, like, I could survive this. Yeah, yeah. Didn't that kind of remind you of the ending of The Descent? Yeah. You know, that, that definitely, kind of, yeah. I definitely had, I'm not going to spoil about what happens at the end, but it really did kind of remind me of that kind of vibe, you know? because
1: right, if you can't, I mean, you're it's fight or flight, right? And yeah. if you can't fly, if you can't fly away, you know you got to stay there and fight. And yep. I think eventually you, it you have to do something, and she definitely does.
0: yeah, she definitely does. So that's definitely fun to watch. so let's so let's turn to Rotten Tomatoes and see what they say. out of twenty three reviews from the critics, they got a sixty one percent, so it's fresh. Uh, audience score, surprisingly of two hundred and fifty plus reviews. At 29%. I was mm-hmm. a little bit surprised by that. But, Joanne, how many stars would you give this out of four? Um, you know
1: what? I, I thought it was – I liked it. Um, it wasn't very long. Um, but, you know, I don't know if it's because when I watched it, I was like, is this a Tarantino movie? Seems <laughs> derivative, uh, right? Yeah, who's the director here? I mean, everything was done really well. The acting was done really well. Sure. I mean – it's like a, a very isolated setting, which yeah, makes it great. But great, yeah. I'm going to have to give it a two.
0: Yeah. And I agree with you. I, I can't believe you've agreed so many times on a row here. But I agree with you. And I also give it a two out of four. So which
1: doesn't make it a bad movie. No, league, no. But I nothing really that new that was happening. And the director. I think, just mimicked, the, uh, you know, Tarantino just a little too much. Yeah. And
0: so for that reason. Well, Keating's going to have to turn and He's done a couple other movies as well. And they, he tends to, to mimic other filmmakers a lot. Not all the same filmmakers, but other filmmakers a lot. So we'll see how this turns out for him. But I think it was definitely a fun watch. It's worth watching. Yes, definitely. It's available on Hulu to watch. So uh, go check it out. I think it's good. Let's hit the boxing bell on that and move on. To the prop bets that we dare to make for Super Bowl 56. And before we get started, let's talk about those prop bets from the Conference Championships, as much as we don't want to. Yeah,
1: (laughs) that was terrible. Yeah,
0: I wasn't. Didn't didn't turn out the way we wanted to. We were in the right. I (laughs) apologize. And we were in the right direction for sure. You had actually taken Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes on the over on 287.5 and 290.5 respectively. They ended up just under that, which is unfortunate. For you, um, fine for us because the profit that we actually made as a backup was 250 for both of them, and that hit and stayed. So that was great. But that being said, sorry, everybody out there, that didn't quite work out. Uh, Cooper Cup, I had at over 95.5. Jimmy Garoppolo, under 224.4 passing yards. Cooper Cup hit without any problem at all, as we expected. Jimmy Garoppolo ended up a little bit over two twenty four point five, so sorry about that. I know, I know after that terrible performance of only 131 yards against the Packers, I did not expect him to go over two twenty four point five against the Rams and their surging defense. But that's what we watch, that's why they play the game. So Joanne, sitting at ten and six so far. I'm sitting at eleven and five. Let's turn now to Super Bowl fifty six. And Joanne, why don't you give us your first pick? It's Joe Mixon mm-hmm. at over and under
1: 25.5. We're going to do receiving yards and I'm going to pick the over. Okay. So, this is why I'm picking the over. So the Rams and the Bengals, they pretty much have a very equal um defense mm-hmm. in in the rushing defense and the passing defense. Mm-hmm. But we're going to put that aside for now because this is the Super Bowl. Right. And those are just kind of stats to guide us in whether this game is going to be a very heavy offensive game or a very heavy defensive game. Right. But because they kind of sit in the same, you know, area, it's very leveled. Right. So I think we're in for a well very, yeah, interesting game. Mm-hmm. So during the regular season, both of these teams are fairly equal. Mm-hmm. During the um, uh, during the uh, postseason, post-season yeah. you know, the same thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's very interesting um so like for the Bengals so why is Joe Mixon going to go over 25.5 receiving yards when he's a running back well Mm -hmm. as you know in football they love to throw these short span passes to your running back and it's really something that the Bengals have taken advantage of in the
0: postseason yeah so um particularly their lack of a running game. You know, they've been able unable to get anything going on the ground game, averaging under two yards per carry. So clearly utilizing their uh, primary weapon of running back in the passing game, great way to get them involved.
1: Yeah, so – and that's definitely what they've been doing. Uh, in the postseason, Mixon has a total of 106 uh, passing yards. Uh, rushing, rushing? Passing yards.
0: Okay. Um, receiving I'm yards? passing yards. Receiving <laughs> yards.
1: <laughs> I don't know why I keep saying passing yards. Right. But – he has 106 receiving yards, and in three games, averaging 35.3 uh, yards per game. I mean, that's a lot for, for a running back, mm-hmm. and they've really been utilizing him, and it really has been working. So I don't see why they should stop. I mean, they're going against the Rams. Mm-hmm. The Rams have a great rushing defense, yep. as do the Bengals, mm-hmm. and they're going to need to find some tricks, and this is a great opportunity for the Bengals to move that ball. And so but I'm I'm saying that this is a daring pick because during the regular season,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, Joe Mixon has not been that good uh in in, in
0: receiving yards. In receiving yards. Yeah, right. In
1: receiving yards. He's only averaged nineteen point six passing yards on receiving, receiving yards. Um over sixteen games during the regular season. Okay. So that would not be uh over the twenty five point right. five receiving yards. But in the postseason though. But in the postseason, yes. Yeah. In the postseason, I mean, averaging thirty five point five yards, uh yeah, that is way over. Yeah. So I don't see why they would change.
0: Yeah.
1: Um and they gotta stick to what works.
0: Particularly against the Rams when they're exchurging run defense. So Joe Mixon over twenty five point five receiving yards. So I'm also gonna take one uh, up with the Bengals here and I'm gonna take T Higgins the prop bet is over under 68.5 receiving yards, and I'm going to take the over on 68.5 receiving yards, and here's why. So there's been a lot of attention on Jamar Chase's home run potential every time he touches the ball, as well as the connection to Joe Burrow back in LSU. We all know about that. They were very successful in college, and now they're very successful with the Bengals. Yeah. But it was the best pick oh, yeah. the
1: Bengals could have made And Joe Burrow.
0: And then there were, I'm sure that a large part of why Joe Burrow has taken a big step forward this year is Jamar Chase. It is that safety net.
1: They're mm-hmm. so familiar with each other, yes, and they just—they just, they could like just
0: mentally are connected. <laughs> yeah, right. But they are, they are. They are like psychically connected. They, <laughs> they are. They're psychically are going, connected yeah. to them. Um, they bet they they finish each other's uh, sentences. I'm sure they do. <laughs> <I'm> sure. <laughs> but that being said, after all saying all that about Jamar Chase, I am gonna say, you know, the fact of the matter is that everyone is keying on Jamar Chase. Everybody. Right? Yeah. They know that that he is a weapon, and that's okay by the Bengals because T Higgins has been the workhorse throughout the post-season he has a great season. with opposing secondaries King on chase. No Higgins has been a breakout all season long. And I think it's just been overshadowed by the fact that chase is a big name. Now Higgins obviously hasn't been in the league that long, but everyone's forgotten about him because of Jamar chase being selected in the first round and being, having that connection with Joe Burrow. Well, Higgins is not chopped liver guys i mean he has averaged 77.9 yards per game in the regular season and 69.7 yards per game in the postseason both of which are you guessed it more than 68.5 in fact if you look from week eight of the regular season forward higgins exceeded 68.5 receiving yards eight times over that 12 week span and finally the rams are only 21st in the nfl defending against the pass, allowing 241.7 passing yards Per game during the regular season, I think if the Bengals want to win, they're going to, as you say, utilize the pass. And although I think Mixon will get a share, I do think T. Higgins is going to get the lion's share of the workhorse yards over over the air. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to win on 25 receiving yards. Not not, (laughs) right, exactly. Well, that's what I'm saying. T. Higgins, (laughs) over 68.5 receiving yards. I like that prop bet right there. All right, let's go to your second pick of the game. Uh, so my second pick is
1: going to be Matthew Stafford, and that's over and under 279.5 passing yards, and I'm going to pick the over. The over, okay. So in the three games in the postseason, Stafford has thrown for over 279.5 passing yards. Okay. And, um, and, and in two of the in two of the three games. Okay. So, okay. Sorry about that. Yeah. All right. So against the Buccaneers, he did 366 against the 49ers, 337. The only game he did not go over 279.5 passing yards was against the Cardinals, and that's because they were killing them. Yeah, they didn't have to. I mean... He only had 202 yards because that's all he needed to do. 34 to 11,
0: they won. What a travesty that was on the Cardinals' part. They really dropped the ball, (laughs) so to speak.
1: When you're ahead that far, you don't need to keep throwing that ball. You just run it. And that's what they did. So he did not make the 279.5. Sure, he didn't need to. So... I think the only reason the only way Stafford will not hit the over in this game Mm -hmm. is if it's in a a blowout in the Rams favor. Right. So then if that happens, like with Arizona, he's going to just keep running the ball and he's going to take advantage of that run game, work that clock, Mm -hmm. make sure that they burn as much time. Don't give the Bengals the opportunity to score. Right. So, but if that doesn't happen, then you're looking at, you know, probably a very a high scoring game high with,
0: passing yard game. With you know. a
1: lot of yards for Stafford and, and for Burrow. Yeah for and the Bengals,
0: The Bengals are a quick strike offense in many ways as well. I mean we talked about Chase, we talked about Higgins, we talked about Mixon and Burrow taking this big step forward. So they've seen how they managed to come back against the Kansas City Chiefs twenty one to three. Right. I and, mean
1: and in all fairness that you know, the Kansas City Chiefs did have a very tough game, uh you know, it's it, it was it's crazy. You know, they sacked
0: uh, Mahomes twice. Yeah, yeah. Lot, like five QB hits. It was actually they actually did make amazing adjustments there. Yeah. Uh, in order to let the Bengals back in. the second half, that, mm-hmm.
1: those adjustments that they made, they really went
0: back to the locker room. Yeah, there. yeah. But I mean, um, think, but think about that. You know, like Matt Stafford. For all the great things we like about him, he's not Patrick Mahomes in terms of his ability to no, take the No, definitely box. not. So you know, there's there's definitely he a barely runs. Yeah. Right. Right. Barely is the key word there. Barely. Only when absolutely necessary. Nine
1: yards. I mean, nine yards would be a stretch. That
0: that would be a big, big day for him. (laughs) That would be a big day for him for sure. That's right. So
1: this is such a daring pick because during the regular season, Stafford has only had six games um, where he had below 279.5 passing yards. Yep. And most of those games are because they were so far ahead Blow that him out. he just did not
0: need to throw that ball. Right.
1: Um, so, yeah, but we're going to still dare to make this pick sure. uh, for him.
0: All right. So you take the over uh, with uh, Matt Stafford. And I'm going to stay with the Rams on this one as well. And I'm going to take the prop bet with Odell Beckham Jr., The prop bet right now is over under 63.5 receiving yards, and I am going to take the over on 63.5 receiving yards for OBJ. Now, you're probably noticing a trend here with my (laughs) picks, but both the Rams and the Bengals have plenty of time to key their defenses on each opponent's best receiving weapon, which I think opens up an increasing target share for wide receiver twos. That means Rams will likely focus on the aforementioned Jamar Chase and the Bengals will likely focus on Cooper Cup. I mean, the entire offense we know loves to go to Cooper Cup. And we know that um, Matt Stafford likes to target target Cup almost a third of the time. Mm -hmm. So clearly they will find a way to try to remove Cup from the game. And that's exactly how it's played out for the Rams in the postseason. Now, Cup always gets his in each he, instance no matter does. what no he matter does. what it's
1: like they cannot cover him yeah it doesn't matter but they're going
0: to try and that means obj has been getting increasing targets and in yards every week in the postseason and he's clearly becoming more involved as defenses continue to key on trying to contain cup in the wild card game against the cardinals he caught four of four for 54 yards and a touchdown in a divisional round playoffs against the buccaneers he caught six of eight for 69 receiving yards, and in the conference championship against the 49ers, OBJ caught 9 of a whopping 11 targets for 113 receiving yards. And altogether, OBJ has an 82.6% catch percentage in the postseason. So you know that Matthew Stafford trusts OBJ. We know that OBJ catches almost everything thrown his way, and on top of that, the Bengals' defense is only 25th defending against the pass, allowing 248.4 passing yards per game in the regular season. I like my chances of OBJ going over 63.5 receiving yards. We know that if Stafford and the Rams want to be successful. They cannot just target Cup all day long. OBJ seems to be a second target. Although he does. Although he does. He does. Although it's true. But like as, as we looked at last week in the conference championship, although uh, Cup got a third, almost 60% or, you know, the Close to the 55 to yeah. 50% was OBJ or
1: Kai. I mean, he's really fit very well into the Rams. Um, I don't know what happened. Uh, I don't know if he like just suddenly changed his attitude yeah. and become more humble as a player. Yeah. But he has really just you know, worked hard and fit in with the Rams. And I'm just really sad he could not do that with the Giants. <laughs>
0: yeah, right. right. And, you know, maybe the uh, Giants didn't have a quarterback that was of the stature of Matt Stafford either. So maybe <laughs> that, that could be part of the problem. I'm not saying it's the whole problem. I'm saying that that could have been part of the problem too. All right. Well, that comes to the end of the show. Let's hit the air horn on the show. Joanne, why don't you give us your Twitter so people can follow you.
1: that Kung Fu for you on Twitter.
0: All right, and be sure to follow her in order to get all that great tweets and information and feel a tweet at her if you have any questions about her prop bets. You can find me on Twitter at FB Garbage Time and on Facebook at our F Football Garbage Time page. And thank you, everyone, for listening and wasting time with us. Until next time, enjoy those movie scares, make those NFL prop bet dares, and enjoy your NFL week. Good luck, everyone.